0: Leran Hirschkorn, your host of the e-commerce Mindset Podcast. In this episode, you will hear a panel that I got to both host and participate in as part of Alibaba's co-create event in Las Vegas last week, uh, sharing the stage with me. Is uh, Aaron Cordovez, the uh, founder of Zule Kitchen and Nine Figure Brand, Marissa Vang, who's had multiple e-commerce exits, and Marina Mogilko, who is a Silicon Valley Girl, who's got a total of about 16 million followers across social media. We talk about scaling brands, we talk about hiring, letting go, as well as uh, content and how to scale that uh, as well. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. The podcast is sponsored by Incrementum Digital. Next week, we'll have some exciting announcements coming from Amazon Accelerate that I hope to bring back. And you can check out Incrementum Digital. We help you scale your business and brand on Amazon using uh, Amazon advertising, DSP, creative content, as well as operational help. Check out incrementumdigital.com and I'll see you on the next episode where I'll cover all the announcements coming out of Amazon's Accelerate event.
1: All right, up next, we have a panel, the secret of scaling up to an eight-figure business. I'd like to invite onto the stage right now, Liran Hirschkorn, Aaron Cordovez, Marina Milgilko, and Melissa Long. Welcome to the stage. I love you
0: back. Love you too. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Uh, Before we get started uh, going right into the panel, I would like all the panelists to introduce themselves. I'll start. My name is Liron Hirschkorn. I'm the CEO and founder of Incrementum Digital. We help brands scale their business on Amazon. Aaron? Nice. There's a
1: lot more intro, by the way, Liron. What's that? You have a lot more going on. I do, but I want to get to the hard-hitting (laughs) question. All right. Hello. What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm Aaron Cordovas. I have... My primary business is Zulai Kitchen. So we founded our company. It's a physical goods company. We sell a lot of kitchenware, coffee machines, things of this nature, and it was all started on Alibaba.com, okay, 2015. Um, We saw a lot of marketplaces all over the U.S. and around the world. And we also have software to help uh, sellers, e-commerce sellers, Samurai Seller—that's our software name. We also buy e-commerce companies, particularly if you're sourcing products here domestically. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn, okay? So that's all.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Marina. I'm a content creator on YouTube. I have over 16 million followers across. Woo! The- <laughs> wow! Thank you. <laughs> (laughs) I am new to the e-commerce business, I've launched a product once, uh, but I truly understand how important it is to have social media following to promote your product, so I'm here to talk about that.
3: Hi everyone, my name is Melissa and I started in e-commerce about seven years ago and basically started in the consumable space, Uh, have started multiple, you know, Beauty brands, supplement brands. We also have a couple of exits under the belt. Uh, So right now we operate an incubator for these brands where we scale and invest in e-commerce brands. And now most recently, the most exciting project that I've been working on is opening up an escape room. So that's kind of left field, but it's it's something fun. Nice.
0: Awesome. Okay, so I kind of want to start a little bit, um, zooming out a little bit. Um, One of the... um, Things that I believe in is that a business can only scale as far as the personal growth and development of the founder. Um, what did you What did you need to change about yourself, uh, Aaron? You started selling on Amazon. Um, I don't imagine your goal when you started was I want to be a hundred top 100 Amazon seller, right? So, what did you need to change about yourself, or? Uh, what mindset did you need to develop in order to get to the point of building you know, nine-figure brand?
1: I think the, the big piece about selling online on e-commerce, getting into the space of building a brand, is setting goals that are achievable for yourself that you know you can do. And my goal originally was, I will be in a home run. I will have a fantastic time. If I can make five hundred dollars in a month, if I can make five hundred dollars a month, I can pay for my kids' private school education to not put them in the public school system. That's gonna that'll be a win, right? And what happens is you stack up wins. So when when we got there, I said, "Wow, this this this, this is pretty amazing. Can we do like a thousand? Can we?" And, and what happens is you take that win and you reinforce your own confidence in yourself and saying. If I can do it once, you can do it twice if you do twice, you did it three times, and you just continue the discipline of doing the same things that got you there and not just rest and say like it's all over and part of that of course, is personal development, reading a lot of books and getting involved in growing yourself do you course.
0: have do you have one book recommendation if you had to give it of what you'd recommend for those that want to go beyond where they are
1: today I think the One of the books for me, I mean, the one that stands out that I'm thinking about is called The 10X Rule, Grant Cardone. I mean, listen, the point is your goals got to be big. You know, you got to go big and attack at things strongly. I mean, there's plenty of books out there, right, that mainly you're going after someone who's done something that you want to do. So you have to pick a role model, right? There's people who have done business, who have done life and things that you want to do. Look at someone who has something that you want or is doing something you want to do and read whatever book they have. In today's day, anybody who's successful can write a book and they reach out to people directly. You know, we're not, we're in a digital age where we can reach people all over the world. Marina?
2: Yeah, I would say understanding your superpower is the key because when you start out with something, I started as a creator, I was editing myself, I was filming myself, everything was done by me until I realized that it takes me six hours to edit a video and I could potentially delegate that. So now I have a team that does almost everything because I understand that my superpower is to be in front of the camera, uh, creating catchy scripts. That's it. I'm not a good editor. I'm not a good thumbnail designer. And I feel like everyone here who is running an e-commerce business has to be online, either with your own personal brand or at least like utilizing AI to create content for you or hiring someone. So I feel like you really have to come up with a list of things you love doing and things that you don't like doing. As, and as the CEO, as an entrepreneur, you have to prioritize those things that you love because this is where your energy sparkles. sparkles. This is where you are at your best uh, because otherwise it's just, it becomes unbearable. And the book, the recommendation, uh, The 4-Hour week completely changed everything for me. I think it was in 2017, delegating, batching tasks, just one day a week for calls, that's it. Two days a week for filming, that's it. Uh, it kind of creates this mindset of, you know, I'm planning this day to do this, this, and that, and nothing else.
0: But You work more than four hours a week now, right? No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish. think the book is about mindset, I'm try- right? But um, about-
2: I, I, I still have a healthy work-life balance. I can travel. I have two small kids. So it's not like I'm working nine to six every day.
0: Right. And I, I think the book is more about... Shifting your mindset, right, to outsourcing, to not... Exactly.
3: Just, yeah. I think a really great book, in my opinion, is Rocket Fuel. For those of you who are maybe struggling to do everything yourself or... That's
0: That's like an EOS book, right?
3: Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a great book because it talks about how there's two different types of people in... Most successful businesses. So you have the visionaries of the world and then you have the integrators, right? So the visionaries are the ones that are pushing things forward. They're the ones that are coming up with the ideas and they're leading the team. And then you have the integrator who's the one who's very systematic. They do, you know, a lot of the grunt work and you have to understand which of those two categories you fall under because that will help you operate at the most optimal level. And if you can find a partner that complements you, if you're a visionary and you find an integrator, you're unstoppable. And I think that a lot of people struggle with this journey of you know, entrepreneurship because it feels lonely, but if you can find someone to do it with, it's so much more rewarding. And this book really just nails it on the head.
0: Yeah, and to kind of piggyback on that, if, if you're not familiar or if you are, I uh, highly recommend looking at EOS uh, entrepreneur operating system. There's a book called Traction, which is like the best selling book on business operations. And that's that's the book written by the person who created EOS. We use it in our business and it's been a game changer for us. We have an EOS coach. Um, and I would say um, the success of our business has been having the right people and having um, myself which is more of the visionary in the business and having the right integrator in the business, and I totally agree with you. Once you find that, then you have like a combination that's uh, kind of hard to stop. Um, I want to. Um, I guess we spoke a little bit about hiring, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, one, what was the first hire you made in your business? Uh, as people are thinking about scaling, you know. Would you say you should hire a high-level executive first? Should you hire, you know, a virtual assistant that's a lower-cost uh, person? What 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 was the first hire in your business? And for those that want to scale, what should they be, you know, thinking about in terms of bringing somebody on and um, willing to, EO uh, EOS term, letting go of the vine, right? Being being able to kind of let go, even though, you know, the person is not going to do it, let's say, as good as you, maybe, but um, yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit about you know hiring who, who did you first hire? What do you recommend? I, I love what Marina oh, said. Aaron, how many people work for you and your business?
1: Uh, we're almost at 100 now. Yeah, big team. Yeah. So I, I love what Marina said is know what your superpower is and hire something else and hire those things that you're maybe not good at or not even that you're not good at, but there's some tasks that if they're done, really well or done just okay it doesn't have a massive difference okay and so for me there's shipping labels like i don't know e-commerce like making shipping labels it's you, you just have to make a label and your stuff comes in to the fulfillment center and they get shipped out like right. you don't need to spend your time necessarily doing that you should know how it is but that was the first person we hired um i'm from venezuela and i wanted to give jobs and hire people out there so i went and called people and I said hey you want to work for me and we got a person and they did labels and they made shipments and they track shipments. Like you, no matter how well you do that, you're not going to have a massive change in your different and in your business. So really take the tasks that are, let's call it $5 an hour, $10 an hour, $20 an hour task, whatever the task is in your business, assign it a value, right? Can you, if you were to get hired out to do this, how much would you be charged? Right? So if you're developing a product line, if you're, planning a marketing campaign. If you're doing a video, some influencers might get $10,000 for a video, half a million dollars for a video. That's a big impact because it can reach a ton of people. No matter how good you are at shipping, making shipping labels, you will never get paid $50 an hour. It's not gonna happen. So if you delineate what your tasks are in a day and stick to those ones that have high return for your business, right? Creating products, could be creating a campaign, Hiring things like that are, are high level, and if you're spending too much time, you know, just doing kind of the work that won't put your business forward, that's what you need to hire out. So you spend more time on the other things. Well, let's say you wanted to jump in.
3: Yeah, my first. I you career.
1: eagerly wanted to jump in.
3: Well, <laughs> um, I mean, technically, I feel like Amazon's the first company I hired because I literally 30 percent of my margin goes to them, basically for <laughs> housing all of our products. I mean. Basically, taking advantage of their infrastructure was huge for us. Obviously, we could have gone and launched on our own website right out of the gate, but A, I had no one to sell to, no email list. Like, I had no idea how to find customers. I didn't know how to run a single Facebook ad. Like, that was all very new to me. So, basically, essentially, you're partnering with Amazon as a fulfillment center, they have the customer service uh, handled, they do, you know, they, they take the bulk of the, the work, especially when you're starting out. So I thought that that was also very helpful. And I guess a legitimate, uh, or the first hire was a customer service rep, actually. Once things started to get rolling, we started having people reaching out, asking, oh, where's my order? Or uh, they had issues with it. We, at first it was me it was myself I was literally the one behind the computer screen I actually changed my name for the emails like I called myself Gabriella so when I'm like signing off on these emails I'm like Gabriella the customer happiness representative uh, that was me so like the CEO was answering to all these customers but I learned so much from actually doing that grunt work because you really you talk to the customer right you're gonna figure out what's going on um, at the front lines and then Eventually, you are going to want to offload that because, at the end of the day, if you want to scale to seven, eight, nine figures, you can't be answering all of those emails yourself anymore.
0: Right, and I guess the theme that I'm hearing is: think about how much is your time worth—an hour? Is it $50? Is it $100? Is it $1,000? And any tasks that you know do not achieve that for you, you should really—you should really be outsourcing. how how have you um, t- talking further about hiring? How, how have you sort of been able to let go, delegate? Um, EOS has this term called delegate and elevate, right? Um, bring people up in your in your team, um, giving them responsibilities and, uh, and and also holding them accountable, right? Like what what systems do you have in place? What should people be thinking about as they Again, as they want to build that build out that team, um, and and actually one thing I'll add is, you know, before making that first hire, too, one of the things I think you should be doing is documenting uh, everything that you're doing in the business because that will create your standard operating procedures to be able to to be able to hand off to somebody else. So you should be documenting as much as possible, either with you know screenshot type videos or making notes, etc. And there, there's tools out there to do that as well. But um, Marina,
2: oh yeah. Um- Talking about instructions, yes, this is like number one. Uh, Because normally, if you start by yourself, and ideally the first hire, I would just do a personal assistant, just because if you're doing everything by yourself, you probably don't have all of the instructions in place. And then once you're ready to delegate something, I would just create a PDF checklist of things that need to be done. My tone of voice in emails, how we talk about our company, how we talk about this, this, and that. And then an interesting question is also when it comes to KPIs. I'm part of the group of creators who also have their own products and we're just chatting about what do you guys track as a KPI for a YouTube channel? Do you track views? Do you track track subscribers? They're like, no, no, no leads and how they convert into sales. That's it. They don't care about whether the video gets 2 million views, 5 million views, because it doesn't mean that your target audience is watching. So prioritizing the right KPIs for you, because you can set all different kinds of KPIs, like how many emails we're getting, how they're converting, I don't know how many opens you get. But focus on just one metric for every single person because it just becomes unmanageable. When your team is growing, like tracking all of those KPIs, just make sure you prioritize one or two things.
0: Right. And um, another comment from me on hiring is, you know, uh, I feel proud that I have people that are smarter than me uh, on my team. And, you know, I think sometimes initially you might be, one it's kind of scary to have people that are smarter than you in your business. maybe they're gonna to want to learn the business take over the business uh, you know there's all these there's all these you know fears um especially within the Amazon world because you know um the, those of us selling selling products here right so somebody could be on your team and two months later maybe they launch a product on on Amazon. Did you have those fears at all and um you know because I'm sure teaching all your trade secrets.
2: That's why you grow a brand for your company and for yourself. So if they leave, they can take that away.
0: Right.
1: Stays with you. Uh, Right. It's
0: a good point. So, so the answer to that is build a really strong brand.
1: Honestly, my experience has been there's very very few people who are gonna want to take on that much work and really build a brand. It hasn't been a problem for me. The hiring, the big difference, And, and it might sound very strange. But trusting people. So strange. It's, it's weird. It's a strange concept. But like, here's your job. This is your KPI, your key performance indicator. How I know if you're doing your job, go do what you think is right. And trusting that person to actually do a job. Because nowadays, there's so much like micromanagement, this, that. Guess what? You know how many mistakes I made in selling online? I, I mean, I, I, there was a deal, and I, and I posted about it on my social media. In a single day, I lost over a million dollars. You did. I did. What'd you what what, what tell us that story? It it, it was a, a horrible example, but so we had been on a just a ramp up. Every single year, the product launching products are all succeeding. Launching products are succeeding, and so in 2015 we just launched the first product. 2016 we had four products. Okay. 2,000. Every year it was like, oh, four products, that's good. Let me do more. I'm going to do one every month. And I did 12 products. Then I said, let's do five every month. right? Let's do 60 products. And then let's do one every weekday. That was 250 products. And then I went crazy. Our company was just growing crazy. And I said, let's do five products every single day. Let's do two thousand five hundred products in a year, and it was like I was running people. I was like, "You, you don't do a product today? What's wrong with you? Like, go!" And we were doing so many products, and but and it was crazy because there was a shift in the rules in e-commerce at that time when the products would send normally directly to the marketplace, and there was a change when we were launching our like second batch of five hundred products, and said you can no longer ship it indirectly. So we had to put in this whole three PL, and I was planning on those products to sell to pay the suppliers. We got payment terms. There was a huge explosion. We liquidated ton, like literally over a million dollars of products that was liquidated. We lost a ton of money. That happened in one day when I just said, this is what we're going to do. So how is it that I would go and hire somebody and tell them, hey, go work it out. If they make a mistake for $5,000, you're going to fire them? No, it's mistakes is part of learning. If someone makes a mistake the first time, hey, I made the same mistakes. I made bigger mistakes. But it's saying, you can learn that position, you can make a mistake one time, don't make it the second time. But letting the person go and try to figure out the job, and that's what a lot of people get upset on their own, when they have a job, they say, my boss won't let me do this, I can't do this, I have these ideas, this big corporation, I can't implement ideas. No, let people try the ideas and see how it works out in their performance. Gabriel,
0: Gabriella.
3: What was the question, sorry?
0: Oh, the, the
1: customer service, I called you know. by your customer service name. Um, the question was in, in hiring, how do you hire? Like, what are the tricks to actually hiring and building out a team? And
0: and, and giving your team the kind of authority and power to, you know, make decisions, to, to kind of let, let go, I guess.
3: You definitely want to incentivize the people that you work with. And I think that partnerships are so important, like not just about, you know, your manufacturer, for example. I think that social currency is super important. It's almost more important than you know, actual currency. If you don't have the money to be able to start and grow a business, at least you might be able to pull some favors from people that you do have social currency with. So we actually had a relationship with one of our old manufacturers for one of our previous brands, and we decided we wanted to partner with them and really incentivize them by giving them equity in our company. So this was a unique way to position us as, you know, front of the line so if we ever needed anything if we were running out of stock more quickly than we we thought or that we want we needed something done really quickly, they would prioritize us because it's also their business. So by partnering with our manufacturer was a unique way for us to structure, you know, and give them almost input in our business. And then they would give us basically all the information like, okay, these are the next best-selling products, or we're going to be coming out with these new formulations, and we're the first people that they bring it to so we can be first to market with them. So it's really, really cool to have that sort of relationship. But in terms of hiring and building the A-team You know, your Avengers. Well, it really just comes down to asking the right questions and then finding people who are resourceful and not going to be like, oh, you have to tell me what to do in order to move forward. Um, And a lot of people, they're, you know, they like to be told what to do, but some people also operate in this realm where they love the creativity, they love the freedom to be able to grow with you. And, you know, my first partner, like we grew together, we, we started a company together, we sold that and we exited it. And then now we have multiple companies together just because we work really well together. And we both push each other to be the best possible version in order to, to make this happen.
0: Great. Um, talking about um, growth, how important has focus been in your, in your business uh, versus uh, opportunity or how do you how do you decide on sort of separating between what's in opportunity versus a a distraction? I'm sure that um you know Marina for example right you're you have a tremendous following and probably you get hit up in variety of fronts on hey let's do this business together let's do this business because people people want to partner with you I imagine because you have a, a big audience how do you decide opportunity versus waste of time and focus. And yeah, I'd like to hear from all of you. Uh, one, of the, one of the key lines personally for me, somebody once told me was, focus will make you rich. Um, and many, many times I've learned to say no to opportunity. And what I've learned about myself personally, sometimes you'll say yes out of fear because, hey, I'll go for this opportunity because like, if the thing I'm, not doing, I'm doing now doesn't work out, then I'll have this you know, other thing. Uh, but it's always proven much better, especially in my agency when we've launched uh, new services, etc. Sometimes they don't work out, and we come back to the fact that we should just stay focused. So um, I want to hear from you. you. You must get, you know, DMs and you know lots of people coming your way. How do you decide what projects to take on, what not to take on?
2: Yeah, I think it's the hardest actually to stay focused, especially even with content, right? Because I have three YouTube channels, like a normal creator we <laughs> have one, because right. there's so much happening in the world. I feel like-
0: By the way, what are those channels that people want to
2: So Yeah, Silicon Valley Girl, Lingua Marina is another one as a language learning channel. And I have a language learning company behind that channel. And then Marina Mogilco is just a vlogging, uh, vlogging channel. So the, the problem is content, products, AI, like trends are constantly changing. And sometimes there are gaps that you really like gaps in the algorithm, for example, shorts came around in 2020 and you could produce mediocre content and it will be pushed to millions of people. I really wanted to be there. So all my focus went into this new opportunity, but at the same time, you know, shall I do a podcast? Shall I do this, this and that? So I decided that, you know, I need, I have two small kids. I really want to spend time with them. So every time I look at a project, I ask myself, will I be there 100% or will it be like, oh, I will ask my team to take care of this and I will ask them to, you know, simplify the process. No, I have to be there 100% like this conference. I said yes, because I'm super excited about the future of e-commerce and I really want to start my own brand. So it was like 100% yes. But if it's something that is like, ah, uh, it's so important for everyone. And I feel like until, and it's different for everyone, but I felt like before I reached like $20,000 a month as income as a creator, I would say yes to everything because this is your exploration phase. You don't know where your superpower is. You want to try different things. And then 20K to say 50K, this is where you're learning to say no. Like this is where you transition. And after that, it's all about no's because now you're like, getting to the top and you have to focus. You have to stay focused.
0: Right. I feel like there's a lot of these, a lot of good rules in what you said that you can apply to many areas of your life and business. Um, one thing is you said, if it's not a, uh, what did you say? If it's not like a super excited yes, right? So 100%. 100% yes. So I heard this thing, like if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, right? And that, that applies for me for hiring, right? If I interview someone and you know, They're okay. You're not sure, right? Like if it's not a hell yes, probably don't want to proceed. It usually does not end up working out in that case, taking on a project. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. But another thing you said uh, reminds me of another thing that I uh, learned that, you know, people say this, you you said $20,000, but people say, you know, in your 20s, maybe in your 30s, you should say yes to a lot of things. But as you get into your 40s, 50s, etc. You should probably be saying no to almost to almost everything, right? Because hopefully you have you have more of a focus uh, at that point. Any anyone else want to add? Yeah, so I'm really yeah, I'm really probably, bad at this. You probably get hit up, and you also acquire brands, right? So yeah. you probably get hit up for brands to acquire, and that's also a shiny
1: object. Yeah, and you know. I'll tell you. I say yes to almost everything. I love saying yes. I love taking on projects. I love partnerships. I love products. I love, I mean, I'm out there and I'm like, I want to source half the products in that showroom over there. I'm at the store and and I'm at the mall and all I'm looking at is products I want to
0: source. But do you have someone in your company that says, Aaron, not a good move that you listen to? That's my wife.
1: (laughs) There we go. Whatever she says no to very emphatically, then I generally drop. But I basically try to pursue everything. If, I, if it gets me excited, then I want to do it. Products get me excited, services, every, everything. So I honestly, I think the things that people say yes to, because this conversation, most people think, what are the business things I'm going to say yes and no to? But I challenge people to say, maybe you can say no to this binge watching of a TV show, and you can say yes to do business opportunities and have fun. I have a lot more fun, depends on the TV show. But sourcing a product and putting a launch, then sitting down doing like mindless activity. right And so I think that the the shift can be it's not a 40 hour work week and there's not a four hour work week. If you make work fun, if you do something you're passionate about, right? if you're launching a health product thing, if you're, writing books for children that you're passionate about you'll do that day in and day out all day long so i think say yes to things you get excited about happens i get excited about a lot of things so i say yes to a lot of stuff and then my wife tells me no
0: right and i mean it it goes it goes back to your uh what you shared about the integrator visionary right because you obviously are visionary uh based on what you what you just said right you say yes you get excited about ideas you probably have ideas but then you need that person in your business that's going to keep you focused. My CEO who's somewhere in this room, um, you know, when I tell him like, "Hey, I want to do this." And he might he might say, "Hey, like here's why we shouldn't." Or he might say, "Yes, but I need 3 weeks to put in the right systems so that we don't blow up the company because you want to do this." And it's you have to have both of those things, you know, I think pressing on the gas and also the right person who will Slow you down a little bit, or you be the person who slows down and puts the right systems in place to, to implement something. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, AI. Um, how have you uh, used AI in your business, or if you have to scale or technology? Um, and do you see AI as a you know threat or opportunity? For example, talking about content, right? Um, you know, easier to create content now. There's video tools coming out where you can have, not even you the one doing the videos. Um, it's crazy. Are you, are you taking advantage of AI? Is AI a threat? How do you, and, and and for those sitting in the room, how should they be thinking about, you know, maybe using AI for, for content or, or in other ways?
2: Yeah, there are amazing tools out there now. So one of the tools that we use almost on a daily basis is a tool that lets you generate your thumbnails. Uh, so you don't have to take any more pictures. What's the name of that tool? Uh, that's a great question. I have a team behind that who does it. I, I think okay. it's Perfluence, something like that.
0: Perfluence? Yeah.
2: Uh, okay. So basically, you get give a photo to AI and tell... AI what to do with your photo, like place Marina in a nice apartment, surround her with balloons because we're doing a video, she's celebrating 8 million followers, and it would do a very nice thumbnail. Another thing, scripting, AI can generate, just be careful, ChatGPT is not the best tool. Uh, There is Perplexity AI, that is really a good one.
0: Sure.
2: Perplexity AI. Perplexity? Yeah, it's it's good for doing research because it lists all the sources. ChatGPT will just throw information at you. And then it might not be 100% true. But uh, Perplexity, I will uh, give you all the sources that it's using. Um, Descript is another cool um, app that clones your voice. So all of the podcasts, just imagine, the script can be generated by Perplexity, read by Descript, and an AI-generated thumbnail. You don't have to be there. Like My goal is to clone myself. And in two years, I will be the producer of my own content. I will tell my AI version what to talk about. And I feel like that's
0: funny now, but, you know, this
2: is where I feel that like, this is where it's all headed. Also, we were able in my educational company, we were able to substitute, we were able to hire people who speak intermediate English uh, to do sales and customer support because they can use chat GPT to check everything. And you pay like, they cost like $10 an hour. So for some repeated jobs, it really makes sense to just outsource that.
0: Share um, Those are all great tips. I'll share a few things we're doing in my company, um, utilizing AI. Um, One, we use a tool called Meet Cody. Um, It allows us to give it, uh, upload all of our standard operating procedures uh, into it. And then our team, uh, we have about 75 people on our team. Our team can actually Instead of trying to find something in SOP, they actually go in and search Cody and they ask it questions and just interacts with our SOP. So it's all our data. They, they use that. Uh, we also utilize um, Claude, which is in Slack, uh, which is like a ChatGPT, but you can use it right within Slack for communication. We also have a team overseas. It's very helpful. Uh, we have a sentiment checker. So, um in my, our company our clients are with us in like a slack channel and we can have uh chat GPT read all the client only communication and give us a sentiment score monthly so if the client's using certain language you know I have concerns this certain things so we get a score and it can help us potentially find find issues within the channels. Um, I also have chat GPT, reading every single one of my emails every half hour, and then it categorizes them into tabs, into labels in Gmail with uh, action, read, waiting for meetings. Um, I have an assistant also who kind of verifies that, so everything goes into also for review, but it saves her a lot of time uh, in uh, categorizing my my emails. Um, And you could do a lot of this with tools like ChatGPT and using something like Zapier or Make make.com um, and integrate kind of a few tools together and have it work and it's super cheap. We pay for the API and like, it could be pennies to, 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 to read my email. So um, how about Aaron Melissa, utilizing any AI in the business?
3: We use AI pretty much almost every day in our business now. It just, it's essentially cutting back all the, the- bluff and all the tedious work. So we actually use it a lot for copywriting, uh, especially in the Amazon world. You're familiar that the name of the game is SEO, indexing for the right keywords. So we can use tools like, I know Brandon Young is here, we use Dive to uh, find out which keywords to target. We'll basically copy and paste all of those keywords into ChatGPT and ask it to write me a product description or bullet points and integrate these keywords throughout. And it does about... I'd say 80, 90% of the work. And then obviously you have to go in and you can comb through it. But you can also, you know, make it funny. You can give it a voice. Before, when we first started out, we actually hired a comedian to write all of our stuff. So we thought that that was, you know, an interesting way to give your brand a voice where we actually paid someone who is actually funny because I'm not funny. I was like, I can't do stand-up. Like, <laughs> there's no way that you I don't can- say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you hire the people that are good at the things right. that you're not good at. So when I uh, basically found this comedian and we noticed that we overnight, we were seeing, you know, a lot more opens. Uh, they were. You know, basically a lot of clickbait, that type of thing. So sort of related to the creating content for you when it comes to e-commerce, we have to split test a lot of that stuff as well. And by using Chat GPT now, I can ask it to write me 30 headlines for a an email to send out to my audience and make it, you know, fun and make it yeah, can
2: you ask it to sound like a comedian? Like Chat GPT, but sound like a comedian.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Or you can give it a voice. You can say, Oh, like can you write me a caption that sounds like Crystalia, or you can actually name like famous comedians and it'll write it in their voice, which is crazy. It's
2: amazing.
1: I, I feel like I'm getting old. AI is too much for me. Much? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally don't use AI for anything, but some people on my team do. I had, I've done tests, for example, like, hey, write me for this marketplace title, write me a title, and I've had people come and show me, hey, look at this, and I look at it, and I go, this title's terrible. Um, and you asked another question, like, is AI a threat? Um. Anybody who's seen Mission Impossible, you know the answer is yes. Um. I mean, listen. Yes, I, I, I don't. I, I can say to
0: uh, ChatGPT, like, hey, look through these Zule products and make them better, or right? Like, potentially, do you see that as a threat, or or is your your product development team using things like Mid Journey AI
1: to come Actually, up with designs? The vid- the images are amazing. I have seen some editing with images. It turns out very very good and I think that's probably the the one that's the most robust because in image editing, there's a lot of tedious work. And in the copywriting, I I haven't seen it to be good enough for me, right? For my standards, but at the same time, when we have a bulk of so many products, either way, it's a person doing it and they may not be trained good enough. So I don't use it personally, the truth is, but there are some people on my team that figure out different things. I'm I'm interested, did you obviously publish a podcast of like the AI version of yourself?
2: Uh, We did bits. So for example, it, if I do go? like a brand deal and the brand comes back and says, "Oh, we want to change the messaging and I'm traveling." So my team will just use my AI generated wo- voice to create a voiceover of the things they wanted me to say. Um and it sounds 90 95% like me. I mean, th-
1: I think that's part of the threat. You know, I know it's funny like it's not talking about like AI threat thing, but the truth is there's a lot of impersonation and there's a lot of things that can happen in the future where Liran his employee, there was yelling at him in the bathroom or something, and then someone made that up, right? right? So I think the threat is in people thinking it's real when it's not, and I do think that is coming. And in media and editing, there's so much of that already, and right. well, I think we'll be seeing a lot of that.
0: I think we'll see both legislation and tools that will allow you to authenticate. Verify. Um, yeah. uh, verify. The founder of uh, OpenAI uh, just came out with something called WorldCoin, which is a digital cryptocurrency yeah, to um to be able to verify your identity actually for actually being
1: being you. And AI is gonna solve that. And, it, uh, and, and AI will authenticate however they do it. Like in the end, all of these authentication proving can also be hacked. There can't like it's anyway. I think there's gonna be a point where you can't just say it was verified or not by some system because at the end of the day, that system can be hacked as well. I'm a programmer by trade. I did programming before I got into e-commerce and anything can be hacked.
2: Imagine telling ChatGPT to create a list of best-selling products, AB test uh, ads, or like Facebook ads, Amazon ads, what, what's selling best. Order that product for uh, from Alibaba and just run the whole business for you. Yeah, and, and it we're all, does We're thing. all
1: dead. We're all gone. We have no business. There's actually there's actually
0: a guy on Twitter. Um, you can probably find the Twitter thread who said to AI, uh, Said to ChatGPT. I am your assistant. You're the CEO. I have $100 to start a business, um, and AI and ChatGPT recommended like a print on demand. Um, built a website, and I, I think now the guy's raising money uh, because he had like so much success with it. And he did this publicly on on, on X now, and uh, now it's actually a legitimate um, legitimate business. And, and I actually want to jump into that. Um, but probably people sitting here—they have physical product stores or selling in e-commerce, and they want to build an audience. Where would you start today if you wanna if you want to get a following? There's all these different channels, right? TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Twitter X, Facebook, LinkedIn. Where where would you start if you have a product and you want to build an audience? And do you think the biggest mistakes people who are making in terms of their content? Um, it, in my mind, I think the biggest mistake is if you have a product brand, you just talk about your product mm-hmm. instead of like trying to find an audience for something and then how your product can sort of be weaved in along the way. But where would you start today? Like let's say,, you know, let's say you, let's say you had a, a kitchen brand, you wanted to build, build an audience. What would you do tomorrow as soon as you got or whatever you know, next week?
2: Absolutely. So short videos. The algorithm is still like there is still more demand than supply so it's very easy to go viral with short videos and we have i know a lot of creators who just started three weeks ago and they already have 10,000 subscribers just because they've been posting every day youtube shorts youtube shorts or instagram reels the the format is slightly different but what we see is that the same video performs on every platform and what's really important yes think about your audience versus thinking about yourself. So for example, you're featuring a product. I was making this short video. So we have this language learning app and uh, instead of just doing like a video, let's review this app, what's inside. I made a video, five language learning habits for for non-native English speakers. And I was just showing my day. Hey, I'm a non-native speaker and these are the top five things I prefer to do every single day to work on my accent. One, two, three. All of those things featured the app. And we got 5,000 new users. So this this is how it works. You focus on your audience's problems versus focusing on just, let's review the product. It's amazing. And then be slightly controversial. Like, there has to be something. Uh, like, I did this video about what kids eat at schools in the U.S. And I could do, like, let's look at a typical meal. So in- what was
0: your... What was your um- in an American thumbnail
1: school. or title. Tell the American's so
2: there, there are no thumbnails on shorts, um, oh, no but those. I was like, I was complaining because I come from a country where we really care about healthy food. And I did right. a tour of American school and it was like burgers and fries. Right. So my video was called what's wrong with American schools. And I was like, let me tell you, this was my first tour. I come from a foreign country, blah, blah, blah. It was like 10 million views. So I could have called it in a different way, like, oh, let's tour an American school boring so it has to be controversial there has to be something where some people would disagree and tell me like hey burgers are great uh and some people would be like oh yeah I so agree. what
0: was your what was your hook? what's wrong with American schools oh what's wrong with American schools yeah. so, yes. it to,
2: so it has it's so it like think about this hook it's gonna create this mode around your video for the first three seconds they're really important
0: um let's talk a little bit about and, and tech and obviously we're here at a Alibaba conference how, how have you how have you leveraged let's say technology in terms of sourcing looking at products
1: Aaron? I I mean people there's this I think a, a bit of a, a lie a rumor that is spread sometimes that Alibaba is like for the small newbies right? And I will tell you that at the size we're at now, we are on Alibaba.com every single day. We are there looking at products, looking at trends, because even if you have a great factory for a product, the way that the sourcing works is that a factory is good at a certain thing. The factory has their own superpower. There's a factory, and they might be good just at making TVs. And unless you're going to only sell TVs, you will need to find another factory. The way to find the factory, we. I'm sorry, but you know, like these things, most of them are not made here in the U.S. You know, if you're doing hard goods like this furniture, these. You know, if you're doing something a hard good, the majority of it is made somewhere else. Right. And so on Alibaba.com, we go there every single day. We have various, not just one person, but various people who are looking in on trends, looking in on what's big on the marketplaces, what's big on social media, what's coming big on wherever it is, and and we're planning ahead and saying, hey, how can we make our product better? And sometimes you can be working with a factory, and you're going to need to find a different one. And you have massive, huge, you know, there was this verified pro program, They have, um, and I was talking to Alibaba, and they were saying, when they do a verified check for the suppliers, that is a factory you're working with. Now, realize that a factory you're working with, it means they produce certain products, but they're not going to produce everything. So we do we work with probably i want to say over 75 different factories and the vast vast majority of them we have found on alibaba so i mean how do we use it we we, we connect with suppliers and find people who make products like and, and those guys are startups too so the way we look at startups is like oh you know silicon valley like the tv shows in this silicon valley girl <laughs> yeah it's whatever it's like not the stereotypes but realistically startups they are startups here and just how i have a startup the factory can be a startup and they can create and patented a new technology for some microphone that does some sort of, I don't know, it does some echoing or some vibration. I have no idea. But that factory can be just popping up and you can connect with them. And the way that you connect with them is through Alibaba. So I think that if you're going to be on the pulse of e-commerce, you need to be on there frequently.
0: Yeah. I, I personally use, uh, I've used Alibaba since 2015. Um, one of the things I found Baba really helped me with was, number one, speed, uh, because I would go on, usually at night, I, I live on the East Coast, New York, and I would go on at like nine, ten o'clock at night, and it's morning in China, and I'll be able to literally chat with the suppliers right there, talk to them, negotiate. Um, by the way, my trick was, um, I was not the owner, I was the buyer. When I wanted to negotiate, I would they would give me a price, I would say, well board didn't approve that price so i apologize that's a little a little hack on negotiating um you know appearing bigger it's good and um and also i would always ask for pricing on okay what's the minimum order but also what's your what's the container size for my second order i would get kind of the future price and i could think about my margins on my first order maybe less because i'm Ordering less, but what are my margins going to be when I when I can place a container type order? So some some tips. But yeah, I would go on a night and uh, chat with multiple suppliers really quick. Um, and then I saw a lot of the announcements today on you know image search and and uh, the ability to view the view the factory and a lot of a lot of updates obviously um, since since then.
1: Well, one big tip in requesting quotes is you get multiple people chat with a lot of suppliers. Right. You know, our first product we sourced, we got quotes and we got samples from maybe nine different factories for one product. And we tested and, you know, we had quotes from $5.60 down to $2.50 for the same product. I mean, more than double. And I said, well, I want the best quality. I'm going to order the sample for the $5.50 or whatever. And so I got all those in and we did a blind test. And I really recommend this for anybody who's doing a physical products brand like don't look at the supplier name put it, name it abc or d or something have someone else do it you, you can have a, you can have a
0: company in china consolidate and check samples for you also i wouldn't do it
1: wouldn't No. why well cuz check it first before they send it to you yeah before they be, before they ship it to you yeah at the end of the day your job is very is a simple one you're fully responsible for the product that the customer gets that is right. my service to my customer i need to make sure that what they're going to get is fantastic and there's no company who's gonna do it better than me because it's my company. Do you inspect do you inspect every order still from old suppliers or if you Yes. Yes. That is that is a hard bound rule. I heard a story of a guy who had been selling product into Walmart for twenty years and he stopped checking inspections, I don't know, on year eighteen. And there was one shipment that went in and every item was broken. The Walmart dropped the entire business and never gave him another chance. Wow. So, you're, you're talking about like you, a, f- a factory, no factory is perfect, right? And you can find inspection companies. But at the end of the day, your product, you check at least a sample and you see which one's best. So, back to finishing this, I checked all of them. I did the blind test. The number one product happened to also be the cheapest. Uh. The, very, the very best product, blind tested, was the cheapest one as well. And the one that was like $5.50, it was actually like a trading company and they were just marking it up and it was a bad product. So at the end of the day, you can't go, you have to test it and then you do the inspections for every shipment. Never drop the inspections, always do them. It gives pressure on them. And generally, make your product good and make it stand out and pick a great factory at a great price. And you can't negotiate price if you don't have multiple right. offers. Anyway, Melissa?
3: actually have a similar story where we waived inspection because we had been working with this you know supplier for a very long time and we had this vitamin c serum and basically with the droppers uh, it's a glass pipette and it's a certain length however the ones that they had sent us were about three millimeters too long and it doesn't seem like a lot like three millimeters seems like small Size, but uh, the dropper—it was actually touching the bottle, like the bottom of the bottle. And in transit, because you know, UPS drivers, Amazon delivery drivers—they just throw your package; they don't care. And then it lands on the customer's porch, and then basically, it was just enough friction to shatter the the pipette. So, this was a huge liability because people were cutting themselves. Like, we had a couple complaints. And as soon as we got like the first three complaints, we were like, this is bad. We have to recall all of that. So, we recalled all of it. It was a huge loss. And then we basically went back to our manufacturer or supplier for those pipettes and said, hey, like, this is a problem. What are we going to do about it? And they said, oh, we'll just send you, you know, more pipettes. So, we thought they were going to send us more pipettes. They literally just sent us like the glass part of it. So, we had to Basically, we had like 10,000 pipettes that had way too long of stems, and we had to go in and replace all of them individually hand by hand. So I'm in my living room with my fiancé. We're like hand replacing all of these, and like you're, you're basically just in the ground. You have to do it. You have to get it done or or it's a waste, really. So
0: we're, we're about out of time. I want to go lightning round. One tip, scaling, 10, 15 seconds each one on, on scaling business as we head off. Do you have
1: anything? Anyone? Okay, so just challenge yourself. Anything that you think you maybe can't do, you probably can do. You are underestimating yourself this minute. For sure, guaranteed, every single one of you in this room, including myself and everybody here on stage, we are doing far less than we are capable of, okay? We were brought here by a higher, higher power, whatever you think, whatever you believe in, you have more inside of yourself than you think. Don't sell yourself short and dream bigger and shoot bigger. Go way bigger than you think because you may just make it. Woo. Very good.
0: Um, I'll share mine, and it, it's kind of kind of similar. My, my thing is that before you go to your next level, I think at every single level, you're going to be challenged along the way, and you're going to have to run into brick walls. And similarly, I, the universe is testing you like like playing Mario, right? And at the end of each one of those levels, you have... The big bad guy right and in order for you to get to your next level you have to fight that bad guy you're going to lose multiple times it's really about can you get back up Can you overcome um believing in yourself and um understanding actually that that's just how things work you're gonna you're gonna have challenges but that's the test before you get to your next level
2: start sharing what you've learned start Talking about yourself with the world because how else would people know about you? This is my number one advice
0: Melissa Get
3: scrappy. I mean, you're going to have to do the same things that you were doing day one as you are doing when you're a seven, eight figure business. I mean, I went to a conference and Charlie, he's Charlie Rocket, massive speaker, and he was handing out flyers to get people to see him. Even though he's this big brand name, like everyone knows who he is, he was personally still doing the grind work and really just showing how much he cares and how much he's passionate about what he's doing, that he's still going to be doing it no matter what. So get scrappy in your marketing, be resourceful. And also quick tip for you guys, if you run like a quick uh, social media giveaway, it's a good way to get traction on a post, then change the caption on that. And then what you're gonna do is run ads to that. You already have engagement on it and that's gonna convert a lot better than you know a, a, a post from scratch.
0: Amazing, thank you everybody. Thank you.